a moment with the children. So if you're here in the sanctuary, come on up and join me. And if you're worshiping from home, just move a little closer to your screen. Or if you're worshiping from Disney World or wherever you are, um, get a little closer to your screen and we'll have a moment together. Good morning. Good morning. Come on up. It's great to see all of you. I see everybody's starting to wear sweaters and jackets. It's getting colder, isn't it? I love fall weather. Oh, you know, I wake up really early on Sunday mornings, so I have breakfast really early. And even at 9 o'clock, I'm starting to get a little hungry. Are you hungry too? I'm really hungry. Does anybody have a snack that I could... <gasps> Look, here's Pastor Nancy. You ate rainbow Cheerios? Oh, that sounds so good. That makes me so hungry. Oh, yummy. Please, 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 may I have that apple? Oh, wow, this is an apple. Yum, I'm getting ready to take a bite of it. You know what, though? I forgot something. I said, please, can I have that apple? And then I turned around and started to eat it. Did I forget to say something to Nancy? What should I say, Ella? I should say thank you. Thank you so much for this apple. That was so nice of you to give me this apple since I'm so hungry. And you know what? That's something that my parents taught me, and I bet your parents have taught you too, that the most important things we can say to people are please and thank you. And sometimes I forget to say thank you. But when I say thank you to Nancy, it helps me feel closer to her and like makes our friendship even better. And so I always want to remember to say thank you and not just take something and eat it without saying thank you. This morning we heard a story about a group of people that were healed by Jesus and only one of them turned around to tell him thank you. But that made a big difference in his life because now he had a new friend in Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the many, many blessings of this life. Help us to be always ready to thank you, to say thank you and be grateful. For that helps us feel closer to you and to other people too. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. If you are three, four, or five, you can go to Children's Church with Pastor Maggie or Pastor Nancy. Great. Well, you get to go to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back to sitting with your parents or friends. I like hearing what everybody had for breakfast. <laughs> it does make me hungry, though. Bye. In our scripture reading this morning, we are in the 17th chapter of Luke, and we're on a journey with Jesus that he's been on since chapter 9. In chapter 9, he left Galilee and began making his way to Jerusalem. And we find him this morning in an in-between place. He's walking, you might say, in the margins, somewhere between Jewish country and Samaritan country. Now, we know that the Jews and the Samaritans in those days did not really want to associate with each other. They had a lot of reasons to be enemies. 
And so they lived pretty separately. And so here Jesus is walking through the space created by two different peoples who didn't want to associate with each other. And as he's walking through the margins, he meets a group of folks. A group of folks who are also in the margins, somewhere in between their communities. They are 10 people who have leprosy. And the tradition was that a person who had leprosy was exiled from their community. Because the disease was understood to be very contagious, they had to keep their distance from people. If they were to pass through an area with others, they had to cover their mouths and shout out, unclean, unclean, so that others could keep their distance. So it's no surprise, really, that these 10 people with leprosy found each other in the margins. And because they all had leprosy, they were able to create a little community together. We know that some of them were Jews, and at least one of them was a Samaritan. And so these labels that they wore out in the world, that I'm a Jew or I'm a Samaritan, just fell away when they got sick. And they joined together in their mutual need. And they cried out together with one voice as Jesus passed by. The, the Greek word here is actually they raised a voice with one heart and one voice, they cried out, help us, Lord, please have mercy on us. There's something rather beautiful about that, I think. That in the margins, these folks can find each other and build a community. That they can recognize together their shared suffering, their shared need, and cry out with one voice for mercy. In some ways, it's a beautiful image for the church that we are all people in need. We're all people living in the margins. D.T. Niles is a, was an Indian pastor and theologian born in Sri Lanka. And he was known to have said that Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Or as others have said, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. That we all have the same deep need and the deep thirst for God's love, for God's mercy. We're all broken in different ways. We are all people in need of mercy. And that unites us together. And when we gather as the church, all of the labels that society would put on us fall away. That's, I think, a beautiful image of what the church can be. So we have this band of 10 people with leprosy who form this little community. They cry out to Jesus for mercy, and Jesus, being Jesus, sees them and hears them and heals them. He just tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now this may have been a different practice for Jews and Samaritans, but for the Jews at least, if a person had leprosy and they thought that they had been cured, they could show themselves to the priest at the temple, and it was up to the priest to determine, yes, you're clean again. They had to wait for the permission of the priest to re-enter society, to go back to living with their families and going back to worshiping at the temple and, and going back to their lives as they were. 
So that may be one reason why Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. Go back to the lives that you had before. And they all start to do that. But as, it, as they are on their way, as they're on the journey, that is when they realize they're cleansed. Their leprosy is gone. Now the story could end right there and be a beautiful story of healing. It would be much like the healing stories we hear in other places in the Gospels. Someone is sick, someone is in need, they cry out to Jesus, heal me, give me my sight, take away my disease. Jesus heals them and sends them on their way. It's a beautiful story. But the story doesn't end there this time. There's something more that Luke wants to tell us and perhaps to teach us in this encounter. The first part of the story seems to be about this community of misfits in the margins. It seems to be about Jesus' healing power and Jesus' compassion. And the second half of the story seems to be about the response to the miracle. Now there are nine who respond one way and one who responds another way. And I don't want to cast judgment on any of the ten. I don't know that Jesus judges them. They were healed. But perhaps there's something the nine missed out on that the one received. Perhaps Luke is wanting to invite us to consider the response of the one that we might grow in a deeper relationship with God and understanding of who God is in our lives. But let's look at the nine first. The nine continue on their way. They presumably go to the temple, they get ruled by the priests to be clean, and they go back to the lives they had before. For them, the interaction with Jesus was more like a transaction. They needed help, they asked for help, they got help, and they went back to their lives the way they were before. That's what they wanted, and that's what they got. I wonder, too, if perhaps among the nine there was a, a sense of entitlement. I lost the life I had. I deserved to get it back. I didn't deserve to get leprosy. And so when they receive their healing, they don't say thank you. They don't have that response of gratitude because it's what they deserved. The story doesn't say that. I just wonder. But the one had a different response. When he looked down and saw that his leprosy was cleansed, he turned around. And in that movement, it's as if his whole life turns around. Because suddenly it's not about going back to the life he had, but going in a new direction. He turned around because he wanted to thank Jesus it wasn't as much it was a transaction and he got what he wanted. It wasn't just that he got the gift. He wanted to know the giver. It wasn't just that he got healed. He wanted to thank the healer. He wanted to glorify God. The story tells us that, he, that it was like a bodily response of joy and worship to glorify God. And then he throws himself at Jesus' feet, prostrates himself at Jesus' feet to thank him. And so rather than just a transaction, 
His life has changed. He is in a new relationship with God through Jesus. And I just have to wonder if he started following Jesus, if he joined that band of disciples that were following Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. I wish I knew more about his story. And I look at these two responses. The story says the nine were cleansed, but the one was healed, was saved, was made whole. That's the word used to describe him. And I have to wonder, which one am I? And I have to confess, honestly, much of the time I am more like the nine than I am the one. I pray to God to help me, to help our world, to do this, to answer my prayers, and sometimes it's more of a transaction. If I get what I've been praying for, I sometimes forget to return and give thanks to God. There is within me at times a sense of entitlement and the life I deserve, and if something knocks me off that path, I pray that it would be removed so I can get back to the life I had, the life I think I deserve, and I forget to give thanks. I think about how many opportunities I have every Sunday in worship to give praise to God with my whole body, to say thank you to God. As Nancy said this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God was my response. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When I do the communion liturgy, I say the words, it is good, it is right, and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, loving God. But do I really always and everywhere give thanks to you, loving God? When was the last time I had that kind of bodily response of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving to God for who God is? And how often instead do I sit in worship in a spirit of critique and entitlement and, oh, that didn't go well and... So this story convicts me, and I want to know more about this one. What was it in him that inspired him to turn around and to be grateful and to praise God? I wonder if some of it had to do with the fact that he was a Samaritan. That maybe he didn't have any priest to go to, to check the box, to tell him, he was okay. Maybe he knew that once they all went back to their regular lives, he would still be in the margins. He would still be an outcast. Maybe in Jesus, he found the place, the person who would welcome him and give him new life just as he was and still disregard the labels or love him because of who he was. And I think about throughout my ministry, the people I've encountered who are the most grateful, who are the quickest to praise God, are often those who've been marginalized. When I take communion to the prison and I hear those inmates talk about how good it tastes and how much it means to be included in that sacrament and seen by the people and by the church of God. 
when I take communion to the bedside of someone who hasn't been able to come to worship for a long time because of their health, and it tastes so sweet, and they're so grateful because they haven't had that opportunity. When I offer communion at our booth at the Pride Festival, every year someone says, I haven't had communion in years because my church doesn't welcome me anymore. And to see how sweet it tastes to be included at the table and to know there's a community of faith where everybody's welcome. It quenches a thirst. And sometimes I forget that I too am thirsty, that I too need the grace of God, that I too have every reason in the world to be grateful. Thanks be to God.